Blog Talk Radio. And good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Jets podcast preview show for week seven as the New York Jets, who are three and three, are going to take on the three win, two loss, one tie Minnesota Vikings. Along with Rick Lockland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Rick, um, before we even talk about this game, this is where I wanted the Jets to be. They had to get at least two wins in this three-game homestand. They did so by destroying the Broncos. Bit of a shootout, but they did beat the Indianapolis Colts. And now they're in a perfect position where at this particular point in time, it's a little bit of gravy. But still, though, at least for me, this is where I think the Jets were going to be after the first six games. Yeah, I mean, it's been up and down, of course. Win one, lose three, win two, and aiming for a third straight on Sunday. The path has been a little bit unusual, but if you were to say the Jets were 3-3 three and three, uh, approaching game seven, week seven, I think a lot of Jet fans would have said that uh, that would have been a pretty accurate prediction for this team. But nonetheless, they looked like they were barely treading water. Todd Bowles' hot seat was scolding hot. Now that's cooled off considerably, and I still think it's a week-to-week scenario with him uh, as far as making a change at the coaching position. And the, and the more he's able to stack up these wins, get this team above 500, then you're going to see some of those critics uh, start to fall into the background. But this is a game in which you're facing a Minnesota Vikings team. The Jets, of course, are shorthanded. Buster Screen is, of course, out. Terrell Pryor is out. Jermaine Johnson is going to be out. I mean, a lot of stars on both sides of the ball. Even Robbie Anderson this week was dinged up, didn't practice all week. The Jets are going to have a tall task ahead of them because this is a Minnesota Vikings defense that really is playing as good a football as you could imagine, despite the record not being what I think a lot of people expect. The defense is fantastic. I think Kirk Cousins is starting to find his footing. The one thing on on their side of the ball is that they have not been able to run the ball with the great deal of success that they did last season, of course, being one of the only teams entering week six without a rushing touchdown. So if the Jets continue that trend, uh, they'll have at least a fair amount of success trying to contain this Vikings passing attack. And the other major storyline is Kirk Cousins, who, of course, was offered that $90 million contract by the New York Jets and essentially turned it away, went back to the Vikings, which was his top choice, basically got the Vikings to up their offer a bit and signed on with Minnesota, and the rest is history. You know, with the Jets trading with the Colts to move up to number three overall to take Sam Darnold. And I think from both standpoints, given where the Vikings are, last year, of course, deep into the playoffs, into that uh, championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles, they are one or two players away from really being a Super Bowl team. So it makes sense for Kirk Cousins to sign off with them and for Sam Darnold in a Jets team that's in rebuilding mode to build from the ground up and have a rookie quarterback. So I don't think there's any ill will on the part of the Jets or Kirk Cousins. But as a Jets fan, you only hope what would wonder what would have happened if the Jets would have indeed taken – Kirk Cousins and if the season played out any differently than it already has. Yeah, I agree with you there, Rick. And, you know, once again, it's uh, who's on the injury report? Who's banged up? Who's doubtful? Who won't even bother playing because of a very, very bad injury? Uh, Jets-wise, obviously it looks like Terrell Pryor will be out as well. So it's not going to look good without Anunua, uh without Pryor. But, you know, Curse, Robbie Anderson... You've got at least two guys that can go short or long distance home run hitting yardage 
that can try and uh, break away from the de- from the defense as well as the secondary of the Vikings. Uh, but once again, you know, that's going to be tough for the Jets to see what they can do, not just on offense, but also on defense. Like you've already said, Buster Screen is out with a concussion. Marcus May is out with that uh, thumb injury. Uh, that'll be, uh, you know, he'll be out for at least a month, I understand. So hopefully, uh, you know what it is, Rick, it's all hands on deck. And if you think about it as well, if you look at the Minnesota Vikings side of things, Dalvin Cook, he'll be out for the Minnesota Vikings. They're a big-time running back. Um, he'll be out as well uh, with an injury, and that uh, is probably a good sign for the Jets, you know, for the ground game. Front seven's been very hungry, doing some good things on the ground, not allowing, uh, especially the Colts last week, to get anything going on the ground game. They had to throw it for their touchdowns. But once again, um, this is going to be a big test uh, for both teams on offense to try and do something big. But the big test for the Jets on defense is going to be that big, big running back who's having uh, a hell of a season right now, and that's Adam Phelan. Uh, what he's been able to do uh, you know, as a wide receiver for Minnesota, this is going to be a big, big test. Because it sounds like to me, if Marcus May is not there, um, the, the Vikings might move him to the weak side of the Jets at the moment. Because you want him to stay away from both Jamal Adams and Morris Claiborne, who's going to be on that left side. And look, the injuries are going to be a major factor in this game for the Jets, specifically offensively. You alluded to Marcus May on the defensive side of the ball. If I am the Vikings and I'm Mike Zimmer, I'm shading a receiver on top of Robbie Anderson, so essentially double him on his half of the field to take away the go route. The Jets are down, of course. We mentioned the injury to Quincy Nunwa. You have Terrell Pryor, who's doubtful if not out for this game. You're down to Jermaine Curse, Sharon Peak. And really, a lot of unproven guys. The Jets are going to have to use the tight end, Chris Herndon. They're going to have to use, uh, in the tight end spot, Steel, uh, Neil Sterling, I should say. And running back Isaiah Crowell is dinged up, too, with that ankle injury. So he's officially listed as questionable. So this game, more so than any game over the past few weeks, is the utmost importance for the Jets to try to get the running game going. Jeremy Bates, try to find some creative ways, a wide receiver reverse play, something that'll catch the Vikings off guard that they are swarming front seven. So if they over-pursue, you, you maybe uh, run a fake handoff and have Darnold uh, a, a quarterback boot out the backside for a five- or ten-yard gain. There has to be some inventiveness in the running game because with the Jets not having a Nunwa, Terrell Pryor banged up and not likely to play, and, of course, we know the situation with the Jets and their tight ends. They've been vastly underutilized, although the last couple of weeks they've started to show signs of Sam Darnold looking their way. They're going to need more of that in the passing game because the Vikings are going to take away Robbie Anderson or at least do as much as they can to seal him up and contain him in the vertical passing attack. And it's going to fall on the shoulders of the offensive line to create running lanes and Sam Darnold to make smart decisions with the football and spread the ball around to all his receivers all his tight ends and all his backs uh, in order to move the ball downfield and keep the the ball out of Kirk Cousins in the offense's possession. And if the Jets hope to hang tough in this game, keep it close, it's going to take a collective team effort because, as you mentioned, these are not just injuries to second and third stringers. These are starters. These are guys that are the staples of the back end of the defense, playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, on the outside. 
and if you're a Jet fan, you don't like uh, the injury report heading into this game because the Jets uh, were already underdogs, and given these injuries, uh, you know, I think this would be a major, major upset if the Jets were able to win, especially being so shorthanded. Exactly, Rick. I mean, if you're looking at the stats right now for the Minnesota Vikings, especially receiving stats, Adam Thalen already in six games with 58 catches for 712 yards. That's 118.7 yards per game, averaging 12.3. His longest was 68, um, four touchdowns. I mean, if you're telling me this kid is going to hit 1,000 yards receiving in such a short period of time, I, I'd say you're crazy. I would say you're nuts. And this is a guy where we all know Claiborne is itching to uh, challenge Thalen, but if the Vikings switch him over to the other side, I mean, you're going to have to see what's going to happen here and how he'll be uh, handled because if the Jets can try on defense to disrupt Phelan, you're not going to disrupt him every single time, but if you disrupt him enough where he just makes a couple of catches here and there, he doesn't have a big game uh, this coming Sunday, the New York Jets probably gets a victory in this one. Now, Diggs, you know, He's a good, solid player as well. 435 yards so far in six games. That's not too bad either, but still, though. Um, Phelan right now is the big home run hitter when you are talking about wide receivers getting chunk yards for not just first downs, but touchdowns as well. Yeah, and it's going to be a stiff test. Of course, Maurice Claiborne likely going to be matched up on Phelan, although... The, the Vikings will find creative ways to try to move him around the field, and they've used him really effectively in both the run and passing game. And Stephon Diggs, while Thielen has some big playability when he's in the open field, I look at Stephon Diggs as more as the big deep threat target that can take any play to the house. And Thielen is just that wiggly, uh, wiry receiver. You know, he's a perfect prototypical Patriots receiver in the in the same vein as a Julian Edelman or a Danny Amendola, a guy that doesn't look like he has game-breaking speed, doesn't look like he's getting in and out of his cuts, but he always finds a way to get open, and once he's in the open field, you have to watch out because he is going to be an absolute nightmare to bring down. And I think one of the players on the offensive side of the ball that's kind of the forgotten man for the Vikings, and that's tight end Kyle Rudolph. Uh, you know, he's one of the most well-rounded tight ends in the NFL. I liken him to a Greg Olson type where he's not going to be uh, a Jimmy Graham where he's going to you know, take the ball 80 yards down for a touchdown but he's a reliable, steady option. He can play all three downs, and he's going to make tough catches over the middle to move the chains, and he's a hard-nosed player. So he's the type of player that Mike Zimmer likes uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and I think, again, the Jets have their hands filled. I mean, we saw last week with Perry Nickerson, the rookie sixth-round draft pick, had his share of struggles. He had some nice plays at an interception right in his hands and of course, was could have been intercepted and potentially to return for a touchdown that could have changed the complexion of that Colts game early on and maybe wouldn't have been a, a nail-biter down the stretch and he didn't make the play. But nonetheless, uh, he's going to have to uh, have to really step his game up and grow up very fast because the Jets need him in the biggest way in this game because the, you know, the Vikings, they have done reasonably well on the offensive side of the ball. They haven't been a top five or even top ten, five, ten offense so far this year. But I think they have that type of potential. And you'd only hope if you're the Jets – that when Kirk Cousins, the light bulb goes on and this offense really starts clicking, you're just hoping that it doesn't happen this week because 
that could be a nightmare for Jet fans, and it could be a game that would be over almost in the first half if this Vikings offense is clicking on all cylinders. Now, as you were talking about the tight end position for the Jets, you know, that is the one thing on offense right now that they're going to have to rely on. And that means using the tight ends, using the tight ends as probably wide receivers. And so far, like you've already said, Chris Herndon has done a great job. So has Neil Sterling. Jordan Leggett has done a good job. And even Eric Tomlinson has done a great job of hauling in catches, you know, yards after catches, doing everything possible. I mean, obviously Herndon got his first NFL touchdown. You just got to say that if the Jets are going to be down a couple of wide receivers, it's not good. It's not great either. But let me just say this. I'll tell you right now. If these tight ends can be used as wide receivers, I mean, you know, you've seen two tight end formations. You've seen, well, they've used three tight ends at once, which I don't think he's ever heard of. But let me just say this. If the Jets can get, take some advantage on the defense of the Vikings, this is, there's a possibility, Rick, that the Jets can sneak in that third home straight win uh, in this three-game series, or this three-game uh, homestand, I should say. And I think that the strategy the Jets employed against the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks back where they kept in three tight end sets for the specific purpose of trying to block Bradley Chubb and – Von Miller on the outside. I think they should do that exact same thing this week because that Vikings front seven led by, and I'll say it, knucklehead Sheldon Richardson, who's had somewhat of a quiet year. Of course, Jet fans are very familiar with him. Uh, he's a face that's along that defensive side that's going to be playing with the chip on his shoulder. Linvel Joseph is kind of an unheralded player that can get to the quarterback and create pressure. And I think if the Jets are able to go two tight end, three tight end formation, and you know, use them both in the block and run scheme, the less predictable this Jets offense can be, the better. And I think that would serve them well. You know, the one player that was activated from IR, Elijah McGuire, a personal favorite of mine, he's not going to be eligible to play, to play this week, but he did return to practice, could play as soon as next week. And it's unfortunate for Jeremy Bates and his staff because if you had McGuire in the lineup, you could plug him in. He's very versatile as a wide receiver. You could have him split out wide on a third down and long with an empty set. But, you know, the Jets, if they're lacking one thing, and we'll say it and, and say it until the cows come home, they just don't have a north-south runner, a short yardage back that can punch it in inside the goal line. And, you know, I did an article this week on the New York Jets on 247 Sports page about the Jets' anemic uh red zone offense i mean you know completing 18 percent of the trips to the red zone they're converting on for touchdowns and including seven field goals last week of course not all those were inside the red zone but this jets offense has to figure out a way to turn scoring possessions into touchdowns because until i think they get that north south runner as great as isaiah crowell is and Bilal powell i think they're underutilizing him to a degree Sam Darnold, and you'd hope that Jeremy Bates were working on all this week in tight throws in the end zone, inside the 10, inside the 20. Those are going to be the game-changing plays. And fortunately for the Jets, despite there are not many games where you kick seven field goals and you win and you squander so many red zone opportunities, I think the Jets were one of six. If they do that in this game, they're going to lose it going away by 20-plus points. So when the Jets do get down inside the goal line, look, I know Todd Bowles is a conservative coach. I know he's going to want to take points when they're there. If there's a fourth-and-one situation the Jets are at the five-yard line, 
I, they absolutely have to go for it. They can't settle for field goals, and I know that this Vikings offense hasn't lived up to the hype, but just like when you're facing Tom Brady and the Patriots, you're not going to beat them with field goals. You have to put the onus on your offense to keep pace and to put touchdowns on the board, and you'd hope that the message got through to the Jet players and they're going to buck the trend this week. Yeah, I agree with you there, Rick, but I think, you know, I think the red zone situations that we've alluded to, I think what we're seeing now are quarterbacks going for the long balls, you know, from such a distance. I mean, Sam Darnold, how many throws did he make uh, that the Jets were able to get into the end zone, especially, uh, you know, against Detroit uh, in week one? Uh, the, uh, the week two loss, and I mean, you know, it was a short throw to Bilal Powell, yet he ran it all the way in for a touchdown. The, the game against the Broncos where he goes deep for Robbie Anderson's two touchdown grabs, of course, the 76-yarder and then the 35-yarder. So, I mean, you're seeing less attempts inside the red zone for a reason. I think they're going for the long ball now, the quarterbacks. They're going for the deep ball. They're really trying to be more dynamic. I think we're seeing right now is we're seeing games that are going over 40 points or more. So we're seeing more dynamic plays, more dynamic throws, maybe even more dynamic wide receivers that are going down the sideline, down the middle, and they're able to make these huge chunk grab runs for touchdowns. And that's probably why we're seeing a reduction of red zone attempts by the Jets as well as maybe other teams in the NFL. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, you know, that's one reason why, one reason why I believe that the Jets' uh, the Jets red zone uh, percentage is not as good as it should be. Now, at the same time, Rick, I had a problem with Spencer Long because that was one red zone attempt that got thwarted because on third down and two, bad snap. And even earlier in the game against the Colts, that first bad snap, you know, it ruined Darnold's timing, and he just basically threw it to Robbie Anderson flat-footed and got picked off. So Spencer Long, I really hope that he was able to just get his timing down pat with Sam Darnold. He shouldn't have lost his timing in the first place, but I understand rookie situation this, rookie situation that, but still, though, Spencer Long should have done better on those two chances. And who knows, Rick, maybe the one where it was third and two in the fourth quarter that Crowell had to dive on top of the ball to avoid a turnover. Um, you know, I, I think that Spencer Long's got to work on his snaps. Yeah, and the Jets cannot become a one-trick pony with the big plays. And, look, everybody loves it. We were calling for it up until week five, and they finally showed up in a big way against the Denver Broncos. And as much as Sam Darnold has discovered that deep connection with Robbie Anderson, he's made some nice plays down the field to Terrell Pryor. This can't be you fall in love with the deep ball, and they don't execute the simple plays, the winning plays, inside the red zone. That stat that I gave, the 188 percent of red zone trips result in touchdowns you know that's not a product of big that doesn't that excludes big plays you know the big plays that can bring them inside the red zone but once they're there once they're inside the 20 they're at the 15 they're at the 10 they're at the five they're not converting that into touchdowns and that to me is the maturation of both Jeremy Bates as a play caller he has to find the right combination the right personnel to throw out there and and fortunately in this week I think they're sorely going to miss a guy like Terrell Pryor who is an instant jump ball away from put, bringing it down for six points. So that, if you're a quarterback, is your best friend. And I think this week, you know, Sam Darnold 
continues that maturation process, and that's the next step he has to take, of course, is reading defenses, seeing how they're trying to crowd the end zone and mix up different looks because, you know, he's going to have to throw the ball into tighter spaces. There are going to be more defenders packed into a smaller space, and that can be more difficult for some quarterbacks as opposed to throwing from 30, 40 yards out. So the Jets, I think the best cure for that is a solid running game or at least utilizing the running backs in the passing attack, and that's where – Bilal Pounce and Isaiah Crowell are so helpful. I mean, having them in a full house backfield down inside the 10-yard line with each guy running a a wheel route, that is almost uncoverable for defenses, but we haven't seen it so far this year. So that onus falls on Jeremy Bates and the offensive coaching staff. And I think that once the Jets get all their – dot all their I's, cross all their T's, I think they'll start to realize that as well. And we'll see what happens. But I expect this Jets offense to improve upon that one-for-six performance last week despite the win. Yeah, I agree with you there, Rick. And, you know, there's a lot of questions in this one, uh, you know, through the fans that are, you know, calling um, Kirk Cousins the enemy. You know, if you didn't want to be with the Jets, then you shouldn't have bothered, uh, you know, attempting – to hear their offers, if he just wanted to be with Minnesota, and, you know, the way he said it and everything. And you know what? I personally have no grudge against Kirk Cousins. Look, he was a free agent. If you're a free agent, look, you've got every right to go out there and pick where you think you fit the best and where you fit the most. Now, should he have said what he have said? Probably not. But the truth is this, and let me just say this once again. I, I, I don't really see any ill will from the Jets at all. I don't see any ill will towards the by the Jets, I should say, for the whole Kirk Cousins situation. I truly believe that it's just, you know, let it go. Don't even worry about it. It shouldn't even be on the Jets' mind. Look, let's be honest with ourselves here. You know, if Kirk Cousins was here, Sam Darnold would not be here. And I think the Jets went the right way. They knew they probably were, you know, they, they took a chance. They probably knew they weren't in the running, but they took a chance. Kirk Cousins said no, went to Minnesota. He fits there, and that's fine. But still, though, look, I think you can say in hindsight, I'm feeling better that Sam Darnold is a quarterback, starting quarterback for the New York Jets. And you know what? You know, the future's bright for him, and the future's bright for the Jets right now. There's no question in my mind the Jets ultimately had things work in their favor, even despite offering that $90 million contract to Kirk Cousins. You're offering to a guy 28, soon to be 29 years old, to a team that is not ready to win right now. They need to rebuild. They, they have an important offseason ahead of them with $90 million in cap space to spend. And once they address some of those team needs, especially along the offensive line, they may maybe add another uh, piece uh, as far as a pass roster is concerned. Once they address that, then they can take that first step forward towards being a playoff team. But until that point, the Jets cannot be considered uh, playoff contenders, certainly not a perennial playoff contender. So by the time the Jets do build in that direction, whether it's next year or the year after, then Kirk Cousins is 30, 31 years old, and he could be approaching the end of his prime or maybe you know only have a couple years where he's playing at a, an elite level. And it just didn't make sense to the Jets organization. So I, I believe things happen for a reason, and I think a lot of Jet fans took it the wrong way. They thought that he spurned the Jets' offer, that he 
turned the other cheek and said, no, thank you. When the Jets and Kirk Cousins, I think it worked out best for both parties. Cousins is now in a winning situation in Minnesota, a team that, frankly, was uh, you know a handful of plays away, up 7 nothing on Philadelphia. If, if they don't throw the pick six, Case Keenum, the Case Keenum special of pick six, if he doesn't throw that, then maybe the outcome of that game is different. Maybe they're representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So who knows if that change of that quarterback from Case Keenum to Kirk Cousins is the exact change this team needed. But nonetheless, I think it worked out for for both the Jets organization and Kirk Cousins personally. I don't think there should be any ill will on any side of this for any for any party. Exactly. Now, we all know who's coming back for the first time since he was traded away to the Seattle Seahawks uh, for you know, believe for Jermaine Curse, and at the same time, you know, he didn't last long in Seattle. He's with Minnesota now, and that's of course Sheldon Richardson. You know, Sheldon Richardson, a great talent. Uh, the Jets drafted him. Sadly, his uh, off the field issues, and at the same time, his attitude, young attitude, really soured. You know, back after that great first year in Todd Bowles' uh, head coaching tenure. Back in 2015, that went 10 and that went 10 and five until the loss in Buffalo to make it 10-6, and then in the middle of 2016, uh, you know he picked a fight with Brandon Marshall for no reason. Uh, the entire team uh, basically fell out of favor. 2017, before the season got underway during training camp, he gets traded uh, in the whole uh, rebuilding process, the whole strip stripped down. And uh, now he's with the Vikings in 2018. And in this report, Sheldon Richardson said there will not he will not be looking. Excuse me, he will not be looking to settle any personal vendetta. And this is uh, his quote in this article through uh, Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports. And I'm looking at through Yahoo Sports. Uh, it was kind of self-inflicted wounds. Richardson said. It's just now me overcoming my personal battles in life. They got me out of there, and that changed everything around there. That's pretty much it. I pretty much grew from everywhere else. So basically, he admits that he was immature, childish, stupid, and he learned, finally, that you can't do that in the NFL. You cannot have internal squabbles with your teammates. While learning about this now, um, you know, if the Jets ever did bring him back, I wouldn't mind having him back. Because why? Because he finally grew up. He's finally a real man. Just because you get drafted in the NFL and you act like a jackass does not mean that you are a man. And I'm glad that he finally realized that. I'm even glad that he has said, you know, he had to look at himself before moving on from his rookie years with the Jets. It's a shame they had to trade him. He's a great talent. But his, you know, it was very volatile, and the Jets couldn't have him disrupting the locker room again. And look, you know, our colleague and friend Marvin Washington, he said it best when the Jets, of course, drafted Sheldon Richardson. He was happy with it. He said the guy is a talented player, but, man, if he can just get a good head on his shoulders and make good decisions off the field, uh, that he could be a all-world talent. And, of course, he knew that, Richardson had a lot of growing up to do, had a lot of maturing, made some really poor decisions throughout the course of his young life. And those came back to haunt him with the Jets, of course. You know, the Jets tried to do everything in their power to set him up to succeed. And he really wasted a golden opportunity. I mean, 
you know, I wrote in my article that he was as talented a player, certainly at least a defensive lineman, that had ever walked through those doors at the Atlantic Health Training Facility. And he has nobody to blame but himself for why his career went awry, why he was so short-lived in Seattle and now looking to uh, reboot and, uh, you know, try to have a reclamation project in Minnesota. So far he's had a, a very quiet year. And again, you know, the Jets, they are not at fault. They tried to invest as much uh, resources, time, energy, patience, you name it, try to have some veteran leaders. Even a Brandon Marshall who speaks his mind is not afraid to tell guys when they're out of line. And Sheldon Richardson just couldn't take to the coaching of the staff, couldn't take to any criticism from his teammates, and, you know, hinted and asked to be traded, and he got his wishes. So, uh, you know, Sheldon Richardson does certainly not have any ill will directed at the Jets. And I just, again, if you're a, a Jets fan, if you're a Jet, uh, you know, offense uh, front office personnel, you don't want Sheldon Richardson back. I mean, the guy blew a golden opportunity. He's now going to start, uh, you know, approaching it in terms of football years. You know, he could start sustaining some injuries. It's not like he's in the first or second year of his career anymore. And I think that ship has sailed. But Again, I, I still think Richardson is going to try to show up in a big way, and I don't think he'll have spite or revenge on his mind when he plays against the Jets, but I think he'll be there. He'll be out there with something to prove, to try to show his former team that he still has something left. Uh, some of his detractors, of course, there will be some Jet fans in the crowd that will boo him, that will not have exactly uh, warm feelings toward him. I think that's going to motivate him. So for me, he's one of the X factors on the Vikings defensive side of the ball that I said the Jets have to account for because when he has his head in the game and his head screwed on right, he's as talented a pass rusher as there is league-wide. Unfortunately for the Jet fans, they just couldn't get him to focus – down in and down out, week in and week out, and stick to football instead of the, all the other nonsense he got himself wrapped into. Absolutely, Rick, and that's the one thing that he has to learn is that, which he has already, you cannot assume you think you'll be in this league forever and ever when you're not going to mature, which he finally has. So that's a great thing to hear and see, and hopefully he'll have a great career. Like I said, I wouldn't mind having him back on the Jets, and that would be great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this uh, – Thank you for listening to the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com as the New York Jets. They're going to host the Minnesota Vikings over at MetLife Stadium. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, you can watch this game live on Channel 5, WNYW, Fox, at 1 o'clock. The New York Jets are going to take on the Minnesota Vikings. For Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Foyerstein. This has been the Jets Podcast Preview Show on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com. We will talk to you on Monday after this one is over. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye for now.